you know the words of that hymn, nearer, still nearer, that, that prayer of being drawn closer to God. I have a moment just thinking of this two-year-old boy that stood here on the stage with me and now turns eight on Monday. So it's a little hard to believe. Those of you who are further along, you keep saying to us, time keeps passing. You're going to see. Soon he'll be a high school graduate, college graduate, then they'll both be out of the house. You wait and see. It's fast. Those of you with kids in med school and launching their professional careers, yes, don't tell me time is going to go fast again because I might just start crying on you. But seriously, it's um, amazing to get to watch what God is doing in each of your kids' lives and to get to watch it in our kids' lives together too. That is such a gift. When I saw uh, Dr. Laurent uh, Pengabine standing up here, I can't help but think of how you uh, define persistence and perseverance. And so watching her stand up here um, today, thinking back to losing her father, Paulus, and then needing to persevere and go back to Kettering and persist in graduating with her doctorate, when you graduated <laughs> just this last month, I just thought, um, how amazing is God's strength in you and how amazing is God's grace? Um, so with all of the celebrations going on, there are some that especially have persevered through so much. And Dr. Panka Gibin is one of those that I have great respect and admiration for how you have persisted. And your dad would be incredibly proud. Incredibly proud. Let's pray together. God, we stop in this moment as we reflect on your goodness and your grace that sustains us. There are some that find themselves in the valley right now needing to be carried by the good shepherd. And I pray that your gracious arms will hold them up. And then there are others that give us a living testimony of how your grace carries us through. And Dr. Laurent is one of those. And so I pray, God, just in gratitude for how you continue, no matter what, your grace is enough. So we celebrate you. We celebrate your power and your strength in and through our lives. As we open up your word now together, I'm asking, oh God, that you would especially bring comfort and conviction and strength to our hearts. For we pray this all in the healing and strong name of Jesus, amen. Those of you who got to experience last week with hearing from Pastor Steve, it was a great gift to get to hear. And I don't have the cash that he had when he brought up his $1,100, his 11 $100 bills. We're at a different season of life, no, just kidding. But he just brought those, as soon as all the cash came out, I saw everyone. It wasn't just kids. It was like, is he for real? He has real cash up front? Yes, he does. He did. Um, but 
if you were here last week, you might especially know the answer to this question. But if I made $500 this last week and I had my $500 bills, I use imaginary bills, $500 bills right here, how much of that is God's? Oh, you were listening. Wonderful. Some immediately, it's $50, and you're right that tithe is 10%. So yay, but all of it. And this is the turning point. This is what makes tithing and offerings possible is our recognition, our understanding that all of it is God's, that we just simply get to hold these treasures in our hands. And you know what? You find out that your greatest treasures are those people and those relationships and those experiences and those things that you get the opportunity to invest in and pour your life into. But all of that, every single part of it, is something that you manage as a steward of God. Our time, our giftedness, our talents, our money, it's all something that has been entrusted to us. So if you heard from 1 Timothy 6 this last week as Pastor Steve shared with us from that passage, the very next verse, this one that I've chosen to focus on today, where Paul writes to Timothy and says, guard what has been entrusted to your care. That means you've been trusted with things. You've been entrusted with giftedness. You graduates have been entrusted with a degree. Hallelujah. You've been entrusted with relationships. You've been entrusted with each of these things that God has given you. What are you going to do with what's been put in your care? That's the question. Because each of you have been given things and at certain crossroads in our life, we ask these questions of what now? What does it look like to best use what's been put in my hands? What do I do with what's been entrusted to me? How do I do with this what would be the best for the kingdom of God. John Maxwell says, the moment that I can understand that mentally and begin to embrace it emotionally and act it out physically, that's the moment that things will begin to really change. And then I will truly be a steward of everything God has given me. The moment that I understand that it's not mine, but God's, it changes my relationship to my money, to my stuff, to the people in my life, to my degrees, everything. It changes my relationship with everything around me. This life, I would argue, is entirely about learning to trust. This life is about learning to trust in God that the way we use our talents, the way that we handle difficult situations, the way that we learn in our relationship to our stuff and our money, all of that is an issue of trust. Every single part. So something challenging happens in your life. What do you do with it? A new degree, a new job opportunity. How do we handle those things? It comes back down to this letter T, capital T, trust. How will I react and respond to what's been trusted to me? What place does money, talk of money have in the church? Well, just for those that might feel a little bit squeamish, it's not like the televangelist who says you need to give or lock the doors. We haven't given enough today, folks. We're not going to be going anywhere. No, but in the scriptures, there's over 800 mentions of money 
Because I believe what God understands is that the presence or absence of money has the ability to affect my trust in God, your trust in God. How I relate to money and stuff makes a difference with how I trust my Savior. Ecclesiastes 2, verse 21, it says, For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. I sat with someone at their deathbed, and they said, you know, I worked really hard, like I had nothing, and now I'm leaving it to my kids, and I'm not sure if I'm actually helping them or not. I'm not sure if it's going to ruin their life or if it's going to help their life by what I leave them. Those are real questions. This person in Ecclesiastes, he's wrestling with this. I've worked hard. I've labored for this stuff. Now all this stuff now is going to go to someone else. We can, throughout our whole life, think of if I get to that next thing, if I get it, then I will be happy. And for some of you, that's not money. It's a fulfillment. It's a degree. It's a relationship. Whatever it is, it can become our focus. That's why the letdown after graduation is real, because you've been pressing hard after this thing, and you get there, and <sighs> where am I now? Who am I now? After you get to that point, after you get to it, whatever it is, what you find is there's something more after that. So we find the truth of what the scripture speaks of and what certainly Solomon testified to in Ecclesiastes 2 is that contentment and happiness and peace are found in Jesus Christ alone. That's this relationship of trust, that this place of deep trust can only be found in God. This key passage for today is one of my favorites when it comes to stewardship, all about being a steward of what we've been given. First Chronicles 29, First Chronicles 29, and it's the story that David is sitting in his palace, and he looks out and he sees that the sanctuary of God is this tattered tent and he suddenly feels this pit in my stomach, kind of like some of you who have had this experience that you see that your parents are living in different conditions than you are, and you want to go help your parents. Well, he looks out and he sees that God, the sanctuary of God, where they go to worship, is tattered and worn, and he's living in a palace. And so he says, as he inquires of God, I want to build a house for you, a sanctuary for you, and God tells him, because you have shed blood, you won't do it, but your son will. You can lay the foundation. You can gather the supplies. You can call for the people together, but you won't build it. Your son will. So all the people gather the materials from all over Israel. All the people, they come and they give. Can you imagine if we did a building project like this today? Could you bring the plywood? Could you bring the cement? Could you bring, and everyone started bringing the supplies? That's exactly what they were doing. They were calling out and saying, Elder so-and-so, would you bring this, would you bring this? And they all gather in the materials. The material and the gold and the silver and the jewels and the everything else that was needed for the temple, it all is brought. And then in verse 10, it says, David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord 
the God of our father Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give thanks and praise your glorious name. At the end of this this project, this money and jewels and gold and silver and wood and material, everything that's come into the house, the temptation would be to say, look, people, you've done amazing. Look at what you've done. You've brought all these things. You've worked hard and you've sacrificed and you've brought these gifts. But David in this passage truly expresses a heart of gratitude to God. And David pours out his heart in praise, and he recognizes that everything belongs to God. It's that graduate who stands up there and says, I am only here, and I am who I am by the grace of God. That's a powerful testimony. And David looks out, and he sees all the wealth and all the splendor, and he says, we have all of this because of you. And he stops, and he has this praise moment He's saying like Psalm 24, verse 1, which says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Or like Psalm 50, verse 10, which says for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. He recognizes that all of it, everything, comes from God. They brought all the silver. They brought the fabric for the curtains. They brought the gold. But It all came from God first, everything. When we think about giving, we often think tithe, offering, then the rest is mine, or like those envelopes Pastor Steve held up, which are perfect for learning tools. Put your offering in here, put your tithe in here, and then the rest of it, we think of as ours. Tithing will change your life. Giving offerings will change your life, seriously. There are people that are not coming from a Christian perspective that say, develop this habit because this generosity will form your life in ways that are really important. It happens when this mindset shifts and we're able to view these others as important and worthy of our generosity and love. But how does this happen that tithing and generosity and this openness and offering can take place in our life, it's because of this focus on trust that it all belongs to God, that everything that I have. Because when we open up our hands and we open up our heart, we can recognize that not only can gifts flow into my life, but also can flow through my life. So the posture is not one of this, but the posture becomes one like this. So it can change the stress that we have over our money or our relationships or our degrees or the classes that you're taking because we have a posture that's one of openness and trust. Open hands, open heart. See what happens. Open hands, open heart. When you apply that to your life, open hands, open heart. How does that change the way that you view what you have? That we can actually have flow through us the gifts and the grace of God freely from what we've received.
So take a moment and do a quick assessment, especially of the things that are stressing you right now. Your accounts, your degrees, your relationships, your talents, your retirement, your cell phone or a need of one, a car. What do you have? And how does it change in your mind if you see it as God's? That you are a steward with open hands and an open heart that has been entrusted with something. If we choose to be God-following believers, then we come to it from this place of everything belonging to God. Then this sacred trust allows our lives to be shaped by a place that is firmly rooted in Jesus Christ. So David stands there with the people and they've just had this huge campaign for the house of God and they brought all these things and instead of saying, look at what you've brought, look at all you've sacrificed, look at all you've given, David says, God, this is all yours. When we understand this principle that we guard what has been entrusted to us, it makes giving a lot more clear. It makes our stress decrease. When we stand over there at the community center on July 9th and we dedicate the community service center, we look around and no, you didn't bring the sheetrock and no, you didn't bring gallons of paint and some of you did bring your sweat and your tears and your labor <laughs> as we were over there. But what you do have as we stand there, we can say everything is yours, oh God. And we dedicate this space to you because this 4,200 square feet is going to be used to honor and praise your name. And all that we have, all the resources that were given by this church were given because you first gave it to us and we had open hands in the way we received it. And then when we stand on October 1st and we dedicate that kitchen that we've long waited for, we stand there and we declare like David did that everything belongs to you, O oh God, and that we are only standing here because of your goodness and your grace and we want to make a space at the table for all those who come to receive the fellowship of God here. We stand there saying we've trusted you with open hands and with open heart and everything comes from you. Because each of those dedications are a praise because everything we have is because it was first given to us. Everything we have is because it was given, gifted by a generous and gracious God. So David goes on and he says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given to you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building a temple for your holy name comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. I know my God that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent and now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here, have given to you. This beautiful gift, this praise session, then pours over into all of it has been given from a willing heart. Yours is the greatness, God. Everything is yours. Yours is the dominion, God. Everything is yours. Everything. 
We praise your name because the generosity to give this has come from you. All the abundance has been provided from your hands. I wonder how that would change your relationships with your kids, with your friends, with your neighbors. I wonder how that would change your relationship to the degree you're pursuing or to the career path that you're on or to your money to say all of this comes from you. All of it generously provided by a gracious God, open hands, open heart. I can only receive what you have given. Everything belongs to God. The question is, what has been entrusted to your care? What has been entrusted to my care? This changes how we handle the resources given to us. We ask God, how much do you want me to spend on this? How much do you want me to do with this? What do you want me to do with my time? What do you want me to do in this relationship, God? Because we can feel urgency that God does not. We are invited to make this an issue of worship, obedience, and surrender. This is trust. So when somebody understands stewardship like this, when you go to Adventist Giving and you give, if you go to AzureHills.org and you press give, if you bring a check and you drop it in the offering plate, if you bring your check to the mailbox here at the church, all of that is an act of worship. I know, it takes a little bit of adjusting. Some people said during the pandemic that giving at the church website, that they were like, I have no ritual around this. Like I dropped in my tithe envelope and it felt like worship because I was there at the worship service, but click, click does not feel like worship. I said, we have to get these new rhythms, right? You can pause and pray and say, I give this God because you have given it to me. Click, oh. <laughs> so we pause and we give, but all of that is an act of worship. Because when we give, we say, it is in you I live and move and have my being. All is yours, O oh God. When I give of my time, I say that all of this is yours. All things come from you. It's the same thing in our adjustment of our Sabbath understanding, that we see it as God has one day, we have six days, but instead God says, all of it is mine. It's all holy. That doesn't degrade the gift of rest and the sacredness of the Sabbath, but it says that all of my life is God's. It's all worship. It's meant to be worship from start to finish. So that means it, it's not that we need to hear an emotional story or to have someone else appeal to us, but we make it a matter of prayer. Graduates, we say again, we are so very proud of you. What you've accomplished is incredible, and we see it as the grace of God working in your life. We do. That everything that you have is God's, is the greatest gift that you can live your life under, a gift of trust. So here in this church, I will tell you, some of you are new to this, so it's okay if it's old hat for you, but 100% of our tithe that you give here is returned to Southeastern California Conference that then goes to Pacific Union and then goes on to support the work of the General Conference that is, for us, our world church with churches all around the globe. All of the ministries that you see happen here, children's ministries, Adventist education, youth ministry, community service, these are all supported through vision in action. That's what we call our local church budget offering. 
And then those things that sustain our facility that keep us working and doing things like the roof and other major projects that keep this um, building in operation, that's from Vision Capital. So we have Vision Capital and Vision in Action that get to put hands and feet on the work here, and Tithe, which supports pastor salaries and educators and the work of the church across the globe. Those ways that you give matter. As the World Church gathered this last week, we were able to see what the work is, how the work is progressing in all different places, and we were able to experience it together as a church. Philippians 4 verse 19 is again Paul, not writing to Timothy this time, but he says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So he says to Timothy, guard what's been entrusted to your care, and then to the church in Philippi that gave generously and poured out their hearts to help and support, he says, God will meet all your needs according to his riches found in Jesus Christ. And that's our prayer, that as we trust God with our entire life, that we recognize that God owns everything, that every gift is not something returned, but something given from God's generosity, that God promises to meet all of our needs. First, by the generous grace poured out in our heart, because that's the first thing that I get to share is the grace that God loves each and every one of us. And then God promises to meet your needs and mine. Timothy, Paul says, guard what has been entrusted to your care. So I want to ask you, what has God entrusted to you? What relationships and special gifts and time and money has God entrusted to you. It's beautiful to get to witness how you steward that and how God keeps to leading us deeper into what it looks like to be faithful stewards. So in closing, I just wanna share with you a couple of stories that get me up in the morning. For some people, um, there are different things that we come back to and the things that we remember that we will always remember. For me, there are a few that I come back to on those days that there's a lot of sadness or a lot of grief. There are stories that I come back to in my mind of what God has done and what God is doing. When I think of the future and where we're going, the things that I remember that keep me getting up in the morning excited and energized are the expanded community work that we're about to go into with our community center and how community partners are just waiting for us to open those doors so that we can have mobile food banks and clothing drives and clothing banks and be able to resource people with grief groups and with support groups and after school programs for kids. That keeps me energized and getting up in the morning. The thing that also keeps me getting up is the witness that we will have online with Joe Amaya coming to serve here, that we will be able to expand the witness and the presence that we have online in being able to better serve those who've now joined our congregation from all different parts of the United States and the world. There are people that send us messages and say, I'm a part of Azure Hills, though I'm not there and you've never met me. And those are the people that we feel a passion in our hearts to serve even though we don't see their faces every week. 
the youth ministry and how Pastor Gatra is pouring into making safe space for our teenagers to use their giftedness and to be mentored and trained in what it looks like to share their light with the world from God. That gets me excited. The way that this space right here will be filled with 400 kids who are going to be learning about Jesus and some of them accepting Jesus into their hearts for the first time. That keeps me getting up in the morning. What have we been entrusted with? We've been entrusted with these beautiful gift of children. We've been entrusted with these young people that we get to help and be a part of launching into the world. We are entrusted with being a good neighbor and showing the love of Jesus Christ with flesh on it in this territory that we have been planted to serve. This is what's been entrusted to us. And we're seeking to do this the most faithfully that we can. What has been entrusted to you? What has been entrusted to you?